women don't need to earn the right to be called a woman. Men generally have to earn their man card. They have to prove their manliness. They have to go through a rite of passage to be honored with the title of man. And they have to sort of keep it up. And generally speaking, our culture rewards the transactional. It does reward how many women you've slept with. You know, parts of it do. How much money you make. How many wins you had. Like, your value and your identity is often built on what you've done and accomplished. And that, again, it's a house of cards, right? I mean, you know, some of the most successful men in the world with the most money and the most power, you know, what are they doing? They're, they're still, at the end of the day, oftentimes making up for that true knowledge that they are valid and worthy just for being fucking alive. Your lifelong passions, dreams, and aspirations. Your joys and creative spurs. Your femininity. Your success. All in one place. This is Girl Skill with your host, Anna Rova. Hello, Girl Skill listeners, and welcome to another awesome podcast of Girl Skill. Today, I interview Dan Doty, which is an amazing man. And to be honest with you, I haven't done the proper research and the due diligence before interviewing this guy because, you know, when I interview women, I need to find a, a theme around them and everything. But I do my preliminary research when I've selected the guys that I'm going to interview, these men, these amazing men. And then we just jump into it and talk about masculinity and all of that. So I knew Dan Doty was, you know, he has an amazing podcast and is leading men retreats. But while I was preparing to to record this intro, I was like, holy shit, this guy has been on Joe Rogan podcast and Men's Health on Today's show. Like, I just watched his TED Talk. And it's truly incredible. And I highly, highly recommend that you do that, that you listen to his interviews and follow him because his message is uh, transformational. So who is Dan Doty? He's an executive coach and is experiential retreat facilitator with roots in the great outdoors. He works with executives and senior leaders across a range of industries to increase performance and fulfillment by developing a relaxed confidence and increased ability to connect deeply with others. Dan is also the co-founder, as I told you, of Everyman, a company that brings men together to exercise their emotions so they can lead more successful, fulfilling lives. And that's also a podcast. His previous work includes producing and directing outdoor-based TV and film, teaching in public high school in the Bronx, and spending 600 days in the wild as a wilderness therapy guide for disadvantaged and at-risk young men. Dan has appeared, as I told you before, on the Today Show, Joe Rogan podcast, and so on and so on. So pretty fascinating interview. Really enjoyed. A different one. You know, every man I interview obviously comes with a different perspective towards the questions I ask. So we start off with what, what does Dan find attractive in a woman? Then we talk about this thing about full spectrum masculinity, as he calls. And in fact, he, he confesses on the podcast that it's actually full spectrum humanity rather than masculinity. We also talk about, you know, what's full spectrum femininity and what does this mean and how we show up differently, how, you know, for example, full spectrum masculinity means like you show you show up in the world, do your work, protect, provide and things like that. But you also are a father and you experience emotions and show things which, which would be considered more of a feminine traits. But in fact, all of us possess, you know, feminine and masculine. But still, I think we both agree that men and women just show up differently in these energies. We talk about how, you know, our big challenge today is honoring our differences without falling into this dichotomy, feminine, masculine. But I still try to ask him, what is masculinity and what is full spectrum masculinity? We talked a lot about emotion and how important it is for men to embody and embrace their emotions and how to 
safely communicate them to a partner. At the end of the interview, we, we mentioned this. So I love this. I love the dishwasher example. So make sure you stay until the end because we're going to talk specifically. And, and by example, then through this example, he will show us what is necessary and how men can, how does it look like when a man shows emotion in a, in a proper, vulnerable and embodied way without you know, us not trusting him or not, or disrespecting him or thinking that he can't, you know, basically handle it all. Uh, we talk about the heart of men, which I'm considering making this episode's name. And what is at the heart of men? I think the answer might surprise you. Maybe not. We talk about masculine leadership and, of course, men's role today in feminism. Dan shares his fatherhood experience and, uh, you know, raising two boys. And, yeah, this idea of emotional Wi-Fi, as he calls it, and how does it look like? Then we end with a message to women and stay until the end because, of course, Dan will share with us a few people that he follows. There's a philosopher there and he's co-owner of Everyman Podcast and a couple of books as well that you can uh, read up and upgrade your knowledge about masculinity, femininity, or the full spectrum of humanity. And that would be it. Enjoy this episode and I'll see you at the end. Girl Skill. Female success redefined. All right, Girl Skill listeners. Today we have a special guest. His name is Dan Doty and he's calling in all the way from California, United States. Hi, Dan. Welcome to Girl Skill. No, thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, thanks so much for being part of this special segment uh, on my podcast where I interview men about masculinity, masculine leadership. And I'm sure you have quite a few things to say about that, uh, having a podcast and also <laughs> coaching men. I love this coaching for you. You have on your website, it says coaching for men, full spectrum masculinity. So I'd love to dive into that. But before that, then I usually start asking men, all men, with a few questions about yourself masculinity and maybe femininity and women. So if you don't mind, we'll start with that. So Dan, my first question is, what do you find attractive in a woman? Openness, a bit of wildness. I find basically all the qualities that my wife entails attractive. I also find them maddening at times, but (laughs) she's a deeply, deeply, deeply spiritual and connected woman, very connected with the plants and the earth and animals. I find care and commitment attractive. I find expression attractive. I could probably answer this question for 24 hours straight if you let me. (laughs) So I can stop there. Love it. Could, could you tell me a bit more? I always find fascinating, like men who really worked with, like, on themselves and their masculinity. They always say, "I love this in a woman," and that drives me crazy sometimes. But that's okay. <laughs> and then my follow-up question to that is always, "Well, tell me a bit more about these maddening experiences and how have you learned? I guess, or yeah, learned to to to, to understand this and manage it and really kind of be with it." Because I think a lot of men are struggling. Well, yeah, good. I don't think I understand it. I I don't pretend to understand it, but I feel like I have in this arena and maybe other arenas, I feel like I have two, two main skills or I think they're skills. The first is that I can show up (laughs) and the second is that I can stick with it. And, you know, I guess what I'm talking about, what I, what I love and it can also be maddening is, is just the fact that my wife Elise is so, so, so very different from me. And so, you know, just, I have worked my, most of my adult life to now be in touch with my feelings, to be in touch with my body and to be in touch with things around me. I'm still 
you know, I pale in comparison to her, I would say. And I think so of those two skills, I think what I've learned is that I can stick with it, whatever's happening. That's, I feel like that's a great metaphor for our relationship as a whole, but also, you know, almost moment to moment or day by day. This isn't always true, but I think at the end of the day, I enjoy my wife's fullness, right? I enjoy her truth, whatever that is. And, you know, there are parts of that that are particularly hard, but I don't want her to hold back. That's really what it is. I'm attracted to and I'm looking for, you know, a partner that doesn't hold back with me and from me and I have it. And Mm -hmm. yeah. I feel like women listening and myself are saying, well, Dan, we need more men like that because it almost feels like, you know, men are afraid. And that's what, you know, when we when I interview men, they don't know how to deal with this feminine, chaotic, wild force. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's like, a, I feel like for men, a lifelong quest. And especially today, you know, we see all of that coming out on to the surface in the collective kind of mindset of women and men. And we're trying to navigate all of this. So hopefully through our conversation with you, Dad, we'll, we'll get to some answers. Mm-hmm. But before we get to speaking about that, my next question is, do you consider yourself successful and why yo man what a good question yes uh, like deeply so in terms of what i feel is most important which is friendship relationship uh fatherhood lifestyle i think i'm more successful than i ever thought possible at the moment i am still engaged in growing this company of every man as a startup as an entrepreneur And I look at my bank account and the feelings are not one of a successful man, but in balance, in the totality, I, one of sort of my stock phrases I go to is that if, if human connection were currency, I'd be a fucking billionaire. I would just, I would be wildly rich and I live in an incredible place and I have the most beautiful two sons and the deepest connection with them. And I have an amazing life. So uh, if that's not successful, then you know, I don't know what it is. So curious here, do you, because, you know, when we talk about success, it almost feels like women have more permission to answer this question the way that you just did. But then when we talk with men, men are more attached to like, you know, financial success and extroverted success, so to say. And, And from one hand, it is, yeah, it is true that, you know, who are we as humans as successful? But then we also go into this, I guess, stereotypical, but also, at least in my marriage and a lot of women listening, resonate with this polarity between the masculine and the feminine and specifically for the men to play the role of a provider and the protector, especially when their children are involved. And you having two mm-hmm. sons, Dan, I feel like you understand what I'm talking about. So where are you? I'm curious, where are you in these roles? Do you see yourself as a protector, as a provider? Do you identify with these roles? Yeah, all the way, all the way. And that's mm-hmm. where that 100%, yeah, I'm the uh, at this time, the sole or majority money earner in the family. And that is my role. And I embrace that role. And listen, I've made plenty of money in the past, and I'm sure I'll make plenty of money in the future. And we've had this really tight time period while we're starting a family, also starting a company. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I do not, we do not have the resources to go do what we want right now in terms of outward worldly success. And that affects me deeply. You know, I'm not going to pretend that that's not crushing my soul because it often honestly is. And... On top of that, I feel like that is this, one of the traps that 
I, I mean, to be kind of extreme does kill men, you know, in terms of suicide and giving up and just isolating and things like if right now, if I took my worth and value on dollars and numbers, yeah, I'd go kill myself, you know, or I would, uh, th that's really extreme and I'm doing that on purpose. But I feel like that's one of the limiting factors with so, sort of the traditional model. And it's ridiculous that, because the work that I get to do every single day is like the deepest work from my heart and from my purpose that I could ever imagine. The impact that I'm having, the like, it's just incredible, right? And so I'm not about to label myself as unsuccessful in this moment because it just wouldn't be accurate. I don't, I don't think it's a subtle or a nuanced enough approach to just say, you know, money's the thing. So yeah, it's it's really interesting, like what you're talking about, because from one's perspective, you're right. It's like, you know, if you ask a woman, what kind of man do you want to be with? The, the one who, you know, makes all the money, but deep down inside, he's empty and doesn't know who he truly is and is not present with himself or you. Or do you want to be with a man who's deeply connected to his purpose and is changing lives? And I mean, women know the difference, right? But at yeah. the same time, men, so while women are in this place of transition, a lot of men are in place of this transition. And, you know, this, this role of a protector and the provider is traditional and a lot of things are changing. Yeah. So here's where I am, Dan, and I'm, I'm curious what you think about while this role might be limiting and is a trap that you say is driving men literally to, to kill themselves in terms of I'm not who I am supposed to be as a man, the protector and the provider. But at the same time, you know, me, for example, as a feminine essence woman and a woman who has a nine-month-old child and who understands that I can't do it all and I can't work at times and all of that, I want my yeah. husband to be a, the protector and the provider. So because you work with men, like how do men navigate this where they literally play that role because they want to? And I think that's a big distinction, but also stay in their heart and stay present with the relationships and you know leadership in the world. I mean, I think you're naming what's the most exciting and present opportunity for men on a large scale right now, which is that's this idea of full spectrum ownership or full spectrum masculinity. It's just that, you know, paradigms are changing and paradoxes are being busted. It's not even possible to be one or the other anymore for most men. And I think the easy way through it is just to recognize it. It's just simply different sets of skills. You know, the set of skills to go out and, you know, do what it takes and be business oriented and task focused and, you know, make a killing and make money and be on, on track that's one set of skills. And then you come home and you have a small child and what set of skills is necessary there, right? Or you come home to your mm -hmm. partner, what set of skills is... And that's, to me, very liberating. Simply to think about it in terms of, like, it's educational problem more than anything else. And we can learn that. Men can learn that just like they can learn anything else. And I think that this sort of... I actually don't use the terms masculine and feminine in my work and in our work at Everyman. It's not that we ignore it, but I actually think that it's not precise enough language. And more precise language would say, when I go to work, I need to be focused. I need to be, you know, single point focused and on mission and follow through and all of those things that you might label as masculine. And then I need to go home and I need to slow down and open up my heart and like put out this sort of emotional Wi-Fi and feel where my children are at and get in touch with my wife and be able just to be there and be present with them. You could call that feminine, but I actually think that 
it's too confusing or it can be confusing for guys to label it that way because Mm -hmm. there's just this internal like switch. You can't almost turn it off. It's like, Oh, it's feminine. That's not me. I'm a man. I'm supposed to be masculine. And I just, Mm. you know, and I will most likely outgrow this mode of thinking I would imagine, but that's, it's been very effective just to be more descriptive with language here. Mm, interesting. But would you agree that, so So I see what you mean with full spectrum masculinity. I guess we can talk about full spectrum femininity in that way, right? Like when women it's, well, are not... It comes to full spectrum... Mm. Huma- yeah, sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but full spectrum humanity, right? I mean, you know, I think we're we're all kind of all of it. It's just... Yeah, but at the same time, no, no, I agree. Like, that's what I was getting to. But then my follow-up question for you, Dan, is, yeah, you're right. Like, full-spectrum humanity, just like full-spectrum femininity would be described as well as you are caring and nurturing and you're birthing children, taking care and nursing and all of that. But Mm -hmm. you also have to have qualities that would make you get up in the morning and accomplish things and like even if you're planning Uh things or you like work you know a lot like i'm super ambitious and driven and so Uh full spectrum femininity is integrating the two but then Uh but then the question is and i'm sure you thought about this because men and women like the the full spectrum is different for us do you know what Uh i mean like how we show up at home as mothers is very different to how you guys show up as fathers. And then the same thing in business and in work, at least in my experience, I have found that these these textures or, you know, different, the ways we show up as men and women are different that are rooted in our biology and perhaps, you know, some energetic levels as well. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, I mean, I, I, of course, and I couldn't agree more. You know, I guess that's sort of the big challenge that I'm laying out there is that I think it's possible to honor our differences fully and completely without polarizing into just a a dyadic structure of two. And I actually think it's at the same time, and I'm I'm speaking in paradoxical language kind of on purpose. I think it's actually simpler than that and more complicated at the same time, right? (laughs) Because you're absolutely right. I mean, can I nurse my boy? No, I can't. Like, Like, I can't. Can my wife, you know, lift up a dead tree that I can? No. <laughs> like when it comes down to like my base hardware that I was given, you know what I should be doing, spending my time with like lifting rocks <laughs> That's right. and breaking heavy shit. That's what I was like, kind of like born to do, you know, but can I rock my boy to sleep and, you know, read him a tender story and, you know, mm. give my love. Oh my God. So, so that's where I'm really careful with this stuff. You know, that's different. That's different. Yeah. Yeah. And in the same way. Yeah. That's the idea I've been playing around, you know, like when we talk about gentleness and vulnerability in men, is it the same as I would do it with, you know, at work or I mean, like even at being vulnerable at work, whatever, but let's talk about children yeah. or with being yeah. with each other. It's a different texture to it. It's a different energy. And no, and no matter what, no matter which way we go. And, you know, today we live in a world, I feel like, where these differences are, are being washed out and we're saying everybody's the same and this 50-50 and everything, which just, I mean, at least in my experience, the women I work with just doesn't work. It is not 50-50 and will never be. I mean, it is. I, I call right. it more 100-100 right. rather than 50-50. 
All right. Well, we're at the same page. Then we should just yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can introduce yourself, Dan. After talking twenty minutes on this like really complicated subject, um, <laughs> please introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm Dan Doty. I am a man that lives in the mountains uh, north of Los Angeles with my wife and my two boys. We live in a 31 foot RV camper on the edge mm. of a river on an orange farm. I am the co-founder of Everyman, which is an organization that trains men to connect more deeply to themselves and others by owning their experience, their emotional and embodied experience moment to moment. I have spent a very good long chunk of my life in the wilderness. That's been uh, the, the main through line of my different professions. And yeah, I have a sort of a deep set meditation practice and in trying to figure out if I'm going completely hippie or feral in my life right now, which it might be true. I'm not sure exactly, but <laughs> that's a good snapshot. Yeah, it is a great snapshot. Have you seen uh, Mr. Fantastic movie? It's uh, my favorite movie. Yeah. Oh, I gosh, yeah, because you were talking yeah. and uh, me and my husband, we watched it twice and we're just sitting there and saying, uh -huh. mm, I don't know, should we go that route or not really? Yeah. But you're much, much closer to that route. Like, what did you think? <laughs> we're not, yeah, we're not all the way there for sure. You know, <laughs> we're, we're definitely not that extreme. But um, yeah, 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 I loved that movie a little too much, I think. And <gasps> yeah. <laughs> It was great. Yeah. It was one of the, the best things I've seen this year. Mm -hmm. So for all the listeners, highly recommend Mr. Fantastic and it's on Netflix, which is great. So Dan, let's switch gear. Well, not switch, but let's continue the conversation. And uh, well, I know that we talked about full spectrum masculinity and we don't want to talk about feminine masculine. So my question is very simple, I guess. So what is full spectrum masculinity? Like, how would you define that in the context of maybe differentiating full-spectrum masculinity from full-spectrum mm -hmm. femininity. Well, I'm not yet going to differentiate it from femininity. And to, mm -hmm. to be totally honest, I think I use that term masculinity in that phrase just to make it known that it's a male-oriented mm -hmm. stance, right? But really, all it is is a stance that offers permission for men to feel and experience and own all of the things that are intrinsically true about them, all of them. That, to me, is the sort of ultimate sort of direction here is to be oneself, to own one's whole truth. And, you know, as deep and broad as that self goes, that is the direction of my work and of growth in general. And specifically, I tend to work with men in the capacity of feeling and owning their emotions and their felt sense and their embodied sense, and even their intuition. And so, you know, again, some of these things that Men don't have a platform or guidance or skill sets mm -hmm. or mentorship or even examples of how to engage in. And so there's there's just a lot of, I would say, kind of a hidden massive movement of men who lock up, you know, not purposefully, but lock up hugely important and beneficial parts of themselves. So the full spectrum masculinity is one that owns all of it. It owns mm -hmm. the dark and the light and the strong and the weak and everything in between. So here I have a follow-up question, Dan, because I, you know, again, going back to this idea that men and women show up differently, like that's what I'm kind of on a quest to define because like, yeah. you know, my husband is, uh, I would identify him for lack of a better word a masculine man where we play our mm -hmm. different roles he's the protector the provider and all of that and then while i and i'm sure he could benefit from your work dad as well because i could like i ask him 
what do you feel? And he looks at me. He's like, what do you mean? I just do my work and I go through my day. day but, but I'm like, but what do you, don't you feel anything during the day? Yeah. And sometimes yeah. where he gets really frustrated, he could say something like, I'm just frustrated. I'm like, oh, you feel something. I know you have something <laughs> in there, you know? So I'm sure there's this yeah. mask of masculinity going on. But yeah. at the same time, while I, I understand and I, I really appreciate the fact that like, I know there's a human in there and he really needs to get more in touch with his emotions. And I'd love for him to be more vulnerable and all that. At the same time, I don't want him to, like, completely break down and and, and cry and, like, you know, because there's this whole movement today about men need to be vulnerable. But then where is that line that, like, you could be too vulnerable? And that's very unattractive to me as his woman, as his wife, as, you know, the uh-huh. feminine woman there. So, uh-huh. yeah, I'm just curious. So what is that container, I suppose? And is there a limit? And, and how do we navigate this, particularly maybe within the relationship realm? Yeah, great question. I think a couple of things. So, you know, f- first of all, if a man is truly fulfilled and content and happy and the people around him are too, you know, fuck it. Like, <laughs> I don't think you need to feel more. I don't, you probably don't need to be more vulnerable. It's, there's probably a set mm-hmm. balance point for each person. However, you know, what has been happening in our communities and in our societies is that in general, on a pretty overwhelming level, men are deeply, deeply hurting and hurting other people. And I think there's a couple, it's, it's scientifically proven that like full on repression of emotion is bad for you. It's just, it's just, a, it's a maladaptive behavior to only repress everything, to store everything down. Generally speaking, it comes out negatively somehow in some way, right? There's a quote from a, an incredible psychotherapist named George Fowler. And I'm starting to use this quote. I, I swear I've said it 15 times today already. But baby boys, young boys, infant boys smile on an average of 400 times a day. Old men who are in their 80s or 90s and near death smile on an average of three times a day. And so there is a massive drop off in this like simple human enjoyment, simple joy, simple connection. And so... I'm kind of painting a broader picture, but I guess specifically what I'd say to your question is that it's time and place. It's time and place, right? Like, is there a danger that, you know, if if your man starts to, to learn how to eat in touch with his feelings, is there a danger that he would, you know, maybe show more than you want him to in moments? Of course, there's a danger of that. But if he has a dedicated space and time, like a men's group or a coach or a good therapist, to go and clean out the pipes and like upgrade the operating system and get clear on things like, you know, that generally leads to a heck of a lot of more generative stance and more generative energy that everybody around that man likes, right? It's, it's generally good for everybody. If it weren't, I wouldn't do this work. If this were, you know, if this had negative impacts on people in relationships, like, I would not ever do this. The opposite is overwhelmingly true. So, but you're right, as a man changes his stance, it also, there's interrelational parts of relationships, right? There's interconnectedness. So as a man shifts, so too there needs for people to make space for that, right? And I think it is a tricky thing and it's scary for men. It's particularly scary for men. It's like, oh, you're asking me to to feel, but like when I do it, you're not holding it very well or it's freaking you out. 
And like for a man who's who's afraid to open up to bear his heart and then get stabbed in it, there's not much that's more painful. Yeah. And and I feel like that's what actually, so how I got to this work, Dan, is I started like I, I broke up with my boyfriend and I didn't know anything about dating or men. And I started doing this. And then then I was like, oh, women have no idea. And then I started interviewing men about their experiences with women. And the whole world opened up to me, particularly the world of when men go through puberty. And their whole identity is basically defined by like how many women they can get, you know, and we always Mm. like me and my husband, we always get into this argument of, but he's like, well, yeah, you're a rock star if you're getting women, you know, and getting laid Mm. and stuff in your twenties. But I'm like, but you don't understand. This is morally unethical. And like, what if you had a son and da da da? So we, we get into Mm. these discussions, but I just through that prism of talking to so many men about this, I realized how hurt they have been or, they have become by women and by this, by a lot of rejection and by a lot of like they have. And I'm curious what you have to say about this when men go through, you know, trying to get a girl like her number or a date or whatever. They have to face this rejection constantly and it builds their character. Yeah, that's one upside. But then it almost feels like they close off emotionally because they they're been hit so hard. And I, uh-huh. in my writing, I also say, you know what? Maybe we should call out a movement, a Me Too movement from men, because men don't talk about this and and never. Well, you know, I would love for men to open up and say, well, this is the time when she has slapped me in the face so bad that I've closed myself up to women forever or to my emotional side. Do you know what I mean? Do you find that that is related to what they go through? I mean, I, th- I think there's some real truth in what you're saying. I think like the the ability for emotional wounding that women, the capacity for that, that women have to men is, is very real and, you know, can be very destructive. Do we need a Me Too movement for? I don't know. I mean, I'd be, I'd be, I'm not going to be the one leading that. I'd be curious to, you know, but it's interesting. So I get a seat at the front row seat at the heart of men, right? Thousands of them. And, you know, that does happen and that does come up. It, it, it comes up that, you know, I was hurt by my mom. I was hurt by my girlfriend. I was rejected. And some of those do become sort of the formational traumas on which we organize our lives, right? So that's real. But it's just as much, you know, I was bullied in school or I failed a test or my dad didn't pay attention. Mm. Like you, you name it. Right. And like we all got some of those experiences and those traumas, whatever they are, that sort of put a limit or a damper on on who we thought we were. Right. And so that just is what it is. I think that one helpful framework, or at least one thing that I think is helpful and I come by this through Esther Perel, the the relationship therapist who's been a mentor and a friend of every man. And she talks about, and I think she she may actually may take this from George Fowler or another therapist. I'm I'm not sure exactly. I, I want to try to attribute this where it goes, but it's just the idea that men and their identities are much more fragile than people think. I mean, if you think about it, women don't need to earn the right to be called a woman. Men generally have to earn their man card. They have to prove their manliness. They have to go through a rite of passage to be honored with the title of man. And they have to sort of keep it up. And generally speaking, our right now, I mean, traditionally and now, our culture rewards the transactional. It does reward how many women you've slept with. You know, parts of it do. How much money you make. How many wins you had. Like, 
Your value and your identity is often built on what you've done and accomplished. And that, again, it's a house of cards, right? At the end of the day. I mean, you know, some of the most successful men in the world with the most money and the most power, you know, what are they doing? They're, they're still, at the end of the day, oftentimes making up for that true knowledge that they are valid and worthy just for being fucking alive. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned that, you know, you, you get to see the heart of men. So what is in the hearts of, of men? I guess, I mean, we could interpret this question. Same thing is in the hearts of other people. Love, 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 the want to give, the want to do better, the want to, to like express themselves, the want to, you know, like find out who they are and see what they're made of and, and go where they want to go. And exp- I, I just like the, the amount of untapped and unexpressed care and, and goodness and support that men have, like, I did this, uh, did this, been doing this one workshop called the reunion where we bring together, you know, 50 people, half men and women and, and do a night of amazing exercises together. And I brought two men up into the center of the room and the prompt that I asked them to answer to each other in front of everybody is, is what is the depth of your love? How much do you love? And like when the one man, the first man to go, he, he, he just like exploded. And he said, I would give you the shoes off my feet. I will like, and he just went on and on just like the most authentic true. And he didn't even know this other guy, you know? And like, that's what's in there. You know, there's also a lot of pain. There's also a lot of like fear and confusion and like, how the fuck do I do this? Am I doing this right? Like, you know, it, like there's this longing for more like i know there's more like how can i get to it what are, you know if there's this constant stuff but i feel like when we get underneath it and men express their their hurts and they and they really start to you know clean things out it, then what comes is this generative life force it's like what can i build how can i support others what can i what can i do to serve mm, what can i do to serve yeah that's a powerful question Beautiful. So then we're talking about the male heart or what's in the man's heart, which is pretty much the same as in the human heart. Although I, th- I think you agree that a female heart is a little bit different, maybe with a different texture to it, you know, considering our differences, just like biologically mm-hmm. speaking, maybe energetically mm-hmm. speaking. So let's talk a little bit about, so what is masculine leadership um, today, especially and I guess my follow-up question with that is where do men fit in today's feminism? That's a huge question. I think this is the, the question why I decided to yeah. interview men because there's so yeah. much, as you said, confusion and men are, are asking a lot of questions and I feel like they have no idea how to, well, a lot of them at least, they have no idea how to navigate this. So what is masculine leadership and where does that fit into today's feminism? I guess I'm not sure about masculine leadership. What is your working definition of that? How would you describe that? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm, I'm asking, I can tell you what is feminine leadership. Well, tell like me that. that because I don't, I don't really, mm. that's not a phrase that I would generally, you know, okay, lean yeah, into yeah. masculine leadership. So 
so when I, because I'm on this quest of, I actually just, um, I'm releasing this week and next week interviews, um, part one and part two with the founders of Red School, who actually claim that menstruality is the path to feminine leadership. When a woman is connected to her cycle mm. and, you know, when she rides and the ebbs and flows of her up and down of ovulation and, and cycle and everything, she's connected to herself and she can mm. lead others and herself into her life with alignment with periods of rest and she's much more productive than that. So we were discussing the question of, are you saying that, you know, women CEOs and women who lead countries uh, should be connected to their cycle? And they were like, absolutely. So I'm... um, you know, mm-hmm. I'm deeply connected to that message. And also, you know, feminine leadership for me is leading from a place of your heart, um, from leading of a place of receptivity and surrender and being in the moment with your feminine depth, so to say. And, and that, mm-hmm. of course, again, comes from the hormonal waves, but also biological differences and energetic di- and emotional differences. So that's how I would answer that. Now, masculine leadership, I've asked this question on you know the the men who came to the show and um yeah they answer things differently you know it's like that i feel like it's that capacity of a man to to go forward to see clearly to you know penetrate when penetration Mm -hmm. is needed in terms of emotional spectrum and physical where where again biology dictates like you know when i was in my first trimester of pregnancy couldn't do anything um currently can't sleep and i'm nursing so yeah so you know i don't have a definitive answer to that but i'm curious that's good. Yeah. So, so here's my crack at it. And this is a take off my every man hat because I'm going to go a little more esoteric in, mm-hmm. you know, I've studied with David data and I have a yeah. Vajrayana Buddhist practice. And so, so if I go into that uh, area, I guess what I would say masculine leadership is leading from a, a clear open channel and connection to, I guess what I would call space and awareness in its own essence. So a, a completely wide open recognition of space and an awareness of that space, which I think you could use that as a simple definition for a traditionally masculine spiritual practice in the terms of called Zen Buddhism or, you know, uh, Mahamudra in the Vajrayana approach or different things, which is really just resting in open space. And I would say, yeah, if we're going to go that route, masculine leadership would be operating from that place of full openness and clarity. Mm. I think that that's how does that fit in with feminism? I think that's almost two separate, <laughs> you know, modern <laughs> feminism. It seems like two separate places. But where I would go with that, I'll, I'll say what is men's role within feminism mm-hmm. or potentially I think it's it's coming together. It's learning the skills and the and cultivating the capacity to truly come together and see and feel and be present with one another all the way. Mm. And then taking it from that point. I think that is like to me the clear next step and that is something tactical and tangible that we can do. And so I feel that men, you know, taking on the practice and the skill acquisition of being able to sit stand, you know, across and with women, shoulder to shoulder and, you know, basically come together and align this new way of being together. It may be a really old way of being, but not the today's (laughs) version of this way of being together. I love it. Might be the old, really old way of being. That's right. Yeah. Love it. So, Dan, I have a question about your boys and how you're raising your sons. 
And, yeah. you know, I have a daughter, she's nine months old. And I don't know, like my husband constantly tells me, well, why are you thinking about this now? Because I start reading these books about, oh, my God, what am I going to teach her values? Feminine, like, you know, five years down the line, 10. Well, I can't stay present with her where she's a nine month old, uh-huh. where she's just wrapping herself around who she is in the world, whatever. But yeah, curious about how are you being a father today? And what are you teaching your boys? And how, you know, because you do this men's work and, you know, you have two boys. And so how are you navigating fatherhood and raising boys? Like, what are you specifically doing consciously? Or are you not? Yeah. Or like, yeah, I'm just yeah. curious. Well, I mean, simply put, I'm doing my best to show up and model my own truth and authenticity over and over and over and to be expressive about it and to do the best I can to be congruent with what's happening inside of me, the shit that they can feel, whether or not I'm saying it or living it and what I, how I move and how I act and how I speak. My, you know, I'm, I'm not winning at this, I wouldn't say, but I'm trying very hard to you know, show up as a, as a coherent and congruent, you know, being for them. And my three-year-old is <laughs> an insane talker. I mean, he doesn't shut up, but he's also wildly intelligent and talkative. And so, I mean, he, at this point at three, you know, he'll say things like, dad, I'm feeling a little sad about the way that you spoke to mama and it mm. hurts. And I just don't know why you'd have to say something that's not nice like that. You know, like his level of, we're, we're teaching him the basics of how to express what he feels, right? And it's natural language to him. You know, it's not like it's something that seems he has to work on. I mean, once he sort of can put a word with a feeling, it's very natural. And other things I'm doing is just, just literally living outside as much as possible. And, you know, like my favorite things to do with my boys are to go down to the river and throw rocks and explore and look at frogs and, you know, go on hikes. And we tell stories at night, every night before bed, we just lay and tell stories about adventures. And I'm just kind of showing up and trusting myself. And another thing that's very important too, is just, you know, modeling as best we can, a loving, a loving partnership, you know, mm. and that at times involves some yelling and some not not pretty stuff, but most of the time is a lot of really, you know, clean and loving communication. And mm, yeah. So just doing the best we can. Mm, do you feel like if you were father to a girl, do you feel that you would be showing up differently in any way, in any aspect of this? I mean, probably, you know, just hearing anecdotally from other people, probably. But man, I pour my love on my boys. I do not hold it back, you know, like... I express it pretty fully. I mean, I think that's, you know, what I hear from friends that have girls are like, man, they just, they get you, right? They just, there's this like (laughs) extra level of you cannot help but explode for them. But I I mean, I, yeah, that's a good thought experiment. I'm not sure. I would say most of my life, if I had to put it into uh, like percentages, I'd probably spent 80% of my life just with dudes. So I may be less, I may be less comfortable. I don't know, you know, Mm, but I mm. get little boys. I get little boys. I don't know if I get little girls. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, because they're, they're like you. I mean, it's, it's the same, same, same. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. So I have a follow up question about feelings. Because again, and you know, to give credit to my husband. So he, I think he's the man that you've described in the beginning where 
He's happy where he is. He's done a lot of work on himself, uh, you know, David uh-huh. Data and T- Tony Robbins, whatever. So he's kind of in this uh-huh. place where it works great and fuck it. I don't want to talk about feelings. And I, d- I don't know, maybe that's what I'm sensing because every time I'm like, what did you talk to uh, with your best friend? He's like, oh, we talked about feelings and in a sarcastic manner. And so here's because I'm hearing him saying that and I'm hearing you saying that you work with men on embodying what we feel and emotions and all of that. So I'm curious, like, how does an embodied man life look like? Like, do you then talk about feelings? Well, probably not all day, but a lot. And how does it look like? I'll give you one example that I think is really helpful. Mm -hmm. So we don't have a dishwasher in our RV, but we used to have a dishwasher in our home. And um, so, you know, for whatever reason, in my wife's opinion, I just simply suck at loading a dishwasher, right? Like, I just can't do it. I just do it wrong no matter what. Mm-hmm. And uh, so here's an example. So say it's after work, I'm loading the dishwasher and Elise comes in. I can see it immediately, right? She has like, doing something wrong, feeling. Man. Yes. Yeah. It's a strong vibe. And so here would be my, a couple options. One, I could just like internalize it and just be silently angry with her. That's one option. It's historically not very good for me. Um, I could express my anger, like, fuck you. Like I'm, I'm just doing this. Just leave me alone. Again, not very productive. If I slow down a little bit and I go a little bit deeper into it, I could say something, which, which in this, I'm going off a specific example that actually happened. And it was Elise, when you like degrade and look down upon how I am doing a task, when I am sitting here doing my best to support you and the family by cleaning up and doing things, I feel small and it feels really shitty when you do that and, and stop. The effects of me being honest and congruent and truthful, generally speaking, would be like, man, babe, I, I, I get it. I just like, it's, it's a pattern. I'm sorry. We come together, we hug, we kiss, we go to bed, you know, like, so that is an example of, I would say a slowed down moment where employing the truth of the moment, the truth of feelings, because that's the thing, like that anger that comes out, you know, that's real, but really what's that coming from? That's coming from like, you're making me feel small and you're hurting me and it sucks. So that's an example. And, and, and that's it, like without trying to, you know, apologize for it, rationalize it or whatever, whatever it is that's coming up next. No, that's it. That's really it. This is my truth. You know, so, so really, you know, I think what uh, the emotions isn't about crying or sobbing or like falling apart. The emotions is about what's the truth of what's happening with you right now, right? Like mm. emotions are loud and real information. That's, that's all they are. And, yeah. uh, you I know, if one, can, mm-hmm. yeah, if one can self-manage them really well, then fucking good. That's the point, you know? Mm. That really is the point. I feel like women, we women, like, I would say that a lot 
to to my husband. Like when something is shitty or I feel sh- like, you know, I can feel what he's checked out. And when he like last yeah. last night we were talking about why the baby doesn't sleep and because she's gone through this regression or whatever it is, and we're we're not sleeping. And I'm talking to him about reality of things, how it is for me, how my mood is affected, how I'm feeling, and he's just and he starts cracking jokes and being sarcastic about it. And I just stopped and I look at him intensely and fearlessly and I said, yeah. this is serious. Do you yeah. like, I feel yeah. like shit for two weeks. Like you need to be here with me and let aside your stupid jokes that don't yeah. serve anyone right now. And he's kind of like, Ugh. <laughs> he's straightened up and he's like, all right, I feel you. I'm here. And then we start discussing the, the, the issue. So that's beautiful. Here's another example, even to go another layer deeper. And here is mm. what I think is, is maybe even a bigger reason for men to become fluent with their own feelings is because there is a relationship between my feelings and my ability to feel them and my ability to be present with other people's feelings, Mm. right? So if my wife has like rage and rage freaks me out and I'm not okay in the space of rage with my own, chances are I will not be able to be present with her, right? Or deep despair or sadness or even joy, you know? Like one of the things, one of the saddest things I see with a lot of guys is like, something good happens and it doesn't even fucking register, you know? And so people are having a great time and, and you're like just kind of hanging out and not feeling it. I mean, like numbing out. Yeah. What? Yeah. So there's this idea of like emotional Wi-Fi, you know, and listen, I've, I've done all the presence practices of, you know, we can, you know, as a man, we can find that just open space and, and do the data type stuff. And it, that's great too. But I do think that this is like, again, it's just another part of the spectrum that goes so far in things like empathy, right? And and if you're talking about leadership, you're talking about like business leadership. So I work with corporations and I am an executive coach as well. And this stuff, when applied in the right amounts, in the right places, this is what brings teams together. This is what creates open and honest feedback loops in businesses, right? And this ability to you know, be empathetic and know how other people are feeling is a massively valuable skill. And it starts with being able to feel yourself. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dan, we're going to finish off before I ask you about some of the people and favorite books, and then we'll give women a chance to get to know where can they find more about your work, your podcast, all of that, because I highly recommend it. I think it's great. My last question to close up this discussion is what is your message to women? Oh man, thank you. We're here. Guys want to be there with you. It's scary. And uh, I'm hopeful that we really can come together in in better ways than maybe we've ever known. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, beautiful. Thank you. Okay, so moving on to closing out this interview with who are some of the people that you find inspirational that you follow um, and also maybe some books that you can recommend um, that women women read that you found transformational yeah I'm currently obsessed with this amazing psychotherapist named George Fowler he's uh, from New York City he was a uh, New York uh, police department he was on the police department and a firefighter and he was there at ground zero and he became a a couples therapist and kind of unwittingly began to specialize uh, working with New York City Fire Department guys as a couples therapist. And his 
his sort of take on masculinity and men and and feelings and all this stuff is probably the most grounded and brilliant that I've ever come across. So George Fowler is really worth looking up. My mentor and co-founder of Every Man, Owen Marcus, he has a book called Grow Up, A Man's uh, Guide to Emotional Maturity. And, you know, it's kind of the basis of every man. A lot of his work and his methods are, are what we've shaped into the every man stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody, if this is your world, is familiar with David Data, but David has been a, an important figure in my life, too. I've done a lot of work with his stuff. And then finally, a meditation teacher named Reggie Ray and his wife, Carolyn, out of Boulder, Colorado. They have an organization called Dharma Ocean, and their uh, somatic and embodied meditation practices are what I credit with most of my growth today. Great. Thank you so much, Dan. And so for all the women listening, where can they find more about your work and your podcast? Yeah, everyman.com. That's, and we took out the second E in every, so E-V-R-Y-M-A-N.com. I have my own website, dan-dody.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook, all the places that, you know, people are today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one other thing to throw out, which I think might be relevant too, is um, I, ha- I helped create a library of meditations for dads and expecting mm-hmm. dads on an amazing app called Expectful. Uh, which is a meditation app specifically for fertility, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. And so I created about 30 guided meditations for that app for dads, which is a great resource. Wow. Awesome. So we're going to link to all of this in the show notes for everyone listening. Dan, thank you so much. This has been quite insightful, I should say. And I wish you good luck with everything. And hopefully we'll stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. All right, girlfriend, before I tell you how you can share this episode and charge your karmic energy and where to find all the show notes and links to what my guest has just mentioned, I really wanted to extend a personal invitation to you. If you have listened to this episode until the end and you are here with me today, and if you have been listening to episodes of Girl Skill, I know that you have a special connection to me and to the message that I'm bringing into the world about femininity and womanhood and feminine embodiment. And if you do, I have a very personal invitation for you. You know, I know you're here because you crave more. You crave more joy, more radiance, and more freedom. Therefore, you're listening to this podcast to really find what is that feminine path. You're a woman who wants to stand tall on her feet to go for what you want and create a life that would make you wake up with excitement every day. But you're not there yet. You're still looking for an answer, a doorway, and a path. And I've been there, and I know how it feels. That voice in your head that is doubting and questioning, what if I fail? What if it doesn't work? What if he's not the one? That crazy loop, that same ceiling you keep hitting every time, whether it's a pattern of unworthy men, poor decisions, anxiety, or not feeling good enough. Well, the good news is that there is a way out, and I want to show it to you. It's actually a way in into a different kind of path, a different kind of journey, a feminine, powerful path that those women who live in alignment with their feelings and desire have discovered and will never go back to the old ways. The deep knowing and truth that each one of us has, but most of us don't know how to access, that reservoir of infinite wisdom, clarity, and confidence, that flow, ease, and lightness. Would you like to experience that? 
If yes, I've just opened up my calendar for a few extra one-on-one free discovery sessions this week, and I'd love to speak to you in person. If you've been reading my post, as I mentioned, listening to this podcast and have an urge to reach out and explore the possibility of coaching with me, this is your chance. So you could apply for your discovery call at girlskill.com slash apply, girlskill.com slash A-P-P-L-Y. What we're going to do on this call is actually, and it's free, you know, what we're going to talk to you about is your biggest challenge and what's stopping you from what you want. I'll share some insights with you from my perspective. And if you're open to it and I feel like you're a good fit, I'll tell you more about how we can work together. And before you go, well, before you listen to the show notes and links, I want to tell you that who is this for? This is for women who are in transition and looking for a different way to connect to yourself and your femininity on a deeper level. This is for women who feel that there is something missing despite the fact that they have a perfect life and the perfect perceived success, who want to attract the right partner or enrich your current relationship with the men and create a family, who are tired of doing it all and proving everything to everyone, and who are serious about their self-development and taking their life to the next level of pleasure, magnetism, and a different way of living as a woman, but very importantly, who are ready to invest in themselves financially and who want personalized help and guidance from me. You know, I think that life is too short to live in a female body and life is too short to live this way where we're tired, confused, we don't know what's stopping us. So if this is calling for you, you feel a... Mm, body, yes. If I would be you and you fit in any of this description, I'd jump on call ASAP, girlskill.com slash apply. And I hope to see you on the call. And I'm really here to help women and guide them through this dark, confusing terrain of femininity women who don't have to live in a world where you just let go and surrender and let things come to you, where you just stop pushing so hard and proving everything to everyone. That's not the way how it's supposed to work. So girlskill.com slash apply. And I'm curious, will this be you? friends, uh, ladies, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I feel like this episode has to be shared with everyone, men and women in your life. So click share right from your podcasting app or and send it to one man in your life that really needs to hear this powerful interview and one woman that really needs to hear this powerful interview. So you can share it straight from your podcasting app or send them to girlskill.com slash 140 and girlskill.com slash 140 is where you'll find all the notes and links and show notes as well. Keep running with the wolves, lady, because we have some other amazing men coming to the podcast as well. And I shall talk to you next week with another amazing episode of Girl Skill Podcast. And as usual, don't forget to sign up for my free webinar on the live female success at girlskill.com slash webinar, where I'll share my tips and tricks and my journey to becoming a feminine woman and embracing my emotions and attracting masculine men. All right. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to Girl Skill. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher to never miss an episode. And never forget that your version of success is uniquely yours to live and experience. Until next time, let's continue redefining female success together. Girlskill.com. Female success redefined.